What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Volleyball Source Podcast. It is Tuesday, May 18th, and today I am joined by a very special guest, uh, not only because who he is, but also because the news we've received today. So first and foremost, welcome to Justin Louie. Uh, to the podcast, member of Stanford men's volleyball, just made name to the Canadian Next Gen team. But Justin, uh, we're going to get right to it because basically the best possible news, it's Christmas in May for you because it has been, it, it has been announced that the Stanford men's volleyball and all of the 11 programs that the Stanford Athletics were going to cut have now been saved and you guys can continue playing for Stanford Athletics. How excited and happy are you uh, about this news? Uh, I don't think there are any finite number of words that could describe how happy I am right now. I mean, as soon as we got the news, everyone just on the Zoom call when we were with our team, everyone just started screaming um, and cheering and just like all these loud, profane noises. It was quite funny. Um, But and then everyone was just so happy to hear the news officially come out of our athletic director's mouth when we were on a Zoom call with him. And that made it official. And since then, I think everyone has just been like nonstop smiling. I'm not there right now. Like a lot of my team is back in California, but I've already like messaged them, uh, FaceTime them and talked to a bunch of them. And so, yeah, it's just pure joy right now. It's already blowing up on Instagram. Everyone's posting about it. And I mean, it's it's great news. We were talking a little bit before uh, we started recording and I was saying, how there was so many points when I was thinking about this process that I just had no hope. And it sucks to say, but we kind of know in men's volleyball, we're usually the first to go. And for me, it was kind of like, if a program like Stanford can consider cutting what is one of the most storied colleges in all of men's volleyball, um, you know, what can happen to like to the entire sport? So the fact that, you know, I'll, uh, you know, men's volleyball along with the the ten other sports has been saved is is absolutely massive news. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I I was sort of in the same boat as well in the beginning. Um, in July when they announced it announced the uh, decision to cut the sports, I was thinking like they wouldn't have made this decision if they didn't think it was going to be a final decision. Um, but sort of the persistent efforts of our alumni uh, and just the people trying to save our sports overall has definitely made an impact and i know in this past month they've been talking with the administration and finally today they made the announcement that we are coming back and so it's just a year basically a year-long effort uh coming to fruition i'm just so happy for it that's crazy yeah that's crazy that not only you guys were put in that position in the first place but also that the alumni group kind of as a whole was able to come to come together it kind of shows how how important it is it it is um you know, for just Stanford in, in general, how, how much fire does this give your team going into next season? Like how much does this stoke the flames for you guys to just go all out? Cause you, you guys have another life. Yeah. I imagine, I mean, again, I'm not there right now, so I can't speak to all of them, but I imagine a lot of us are now thinking of what next season is going to look like. Um, so there's actually two sides of it. So the first is like you said, I think everyone's just, so excited that we're going to be back and i think we're i guess we're going to play now with like sort of the feeling of no regrets just kind of playing because we enjoy the sport and we know what it's like to feel like it's slipping away from us mm-hmm. um but then sort of the second side to that is that i don't think we have recruited anybody because we were expecting our sport to remain discontinued so with all the seniors graduating i'm not sure what the next season is going to look like but i imagine as a team we're going to figure it out and we're still going to be successful in our own way thank yo i didn't even think about that um, yeah <laughs> so basically you guys are, are your coaches are already looking for recruits potentially i imagine i the thing is people have already committed to going to universities now so they're gonna have to maybe ask walk-ons or we're just gonna have to deal with 12 people on the team basically a club team i don't know i honestly don't want to speculate right now but i'm in a meeting sorry uh no you're good Sorry about that. It's all good. Um, you're currently quarantining at, at your parents' house in Durham. Is that correct? Yes. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's been – how many days into the quarantine are you right now? Um, I did two days at a hotel. So this will be my 10th day overall. So two days at a hotel, eighth day home. All right. So you're in, yeah. you're in the home stretch here. 
Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So um, you mentioned how many of your teammates already committed to going elsewhere. Was that ever a thought for you? You know, was your thought maybe I'm gonna, I can go and play somewhere else, maybe come back to Canada and, and finish my degree, my degree there? Yeah. Well, actually, I, so I verbalized this to my coaches and teammates uh, soon after the program was cut, just because I was trying to figure out what to do. Um, but basically, I was uh, sort of already accelerating my program at Stanford, and then I kind of just accelerated it even further. So I actually was planning to graduate in the summer of this year and then head hopefully or potentially to UBC uh, to continue graduate school while still like playing for their team. Uh, but seeing as our program came back that uh, I've already spoken to the coach and everything. Um, and so I'm actually just going to stay at Stanford. But yes, I was planning to continue volleyball career and academic career at UBC. Ooh, I mean, on one side, I'm sure Mike Hawk and the rest of the coaching staff at, uh, <laughs> at UBC are upset that they're not going to have you. But I'm pretty sure that UBC already has a pretty gnarly libero uh, battle as it is. So adding you into the mix would have just been, made it, you know, basically probably the craziest libero academy in, in all of uh, in all of Canada. So, you know what? Uh, I'm happy that, you know, you have the ability to stay and, and play for Stan and Stanford and continue what is a really strong libero legacy there uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, I was honestly that option for UBC was definitely more of like a savior option just because I didn't know what I was going to do. And so Mike Hawkins, like just such, I'm so grateful for him because he kind of like took me in and saying like, Oh, we can, we can help you in this situation because it was a tough situation for me not knowing what I was going to do next year. Um, and so he was able to, even if I was going to be competing against, you know, I think they have like three other like amazing liberos right now. Mm -hmm. um, so even if I was going to be playing like amongst them, uh, and maybe not playing as much, I still would have been like super happy just to be there. Um, so yeah, but I guess I will be staying at Stanford, so I'm thankful for that too. But I mean, you spent some time setting at Stanford. Is, is, that, <laughs> yeah. is that is that correct? <laughs> yes, that is correct. All right. Uh, but then also uh, the other side of that, wasn't it kind of when, when you were being recruited, wasn't it kind of, you know, what I heard, it was, it was between Stanford and UBC. Is... Yeah, I don't know how you heard that, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, just through the grapevine. Um, I, I imagine, I don't want to say that, like those were the only options because I was definitely considering other schools and, and coaches to plan there. Um, but in terms of like where my preferences were as like a whole, I think UBC was definitely one of my top Canadian options. And then Stanford obviously uh, was the top American and overall option. So, yeah. Fair enough. So it, it, it just made sense on, on a lot of levels. But luckily, hey, yeah. you get to stay in sunny California, playing in, in San Francisco. Exactly. And wow, that, that's exciting. How many years do you, do you have left? You were a, a redshirt <laughs> sophomore this year. You see you have two more, two more years. Is that correct? Actually, no. So I redshirted my first year. Mm -hmm. And then last year was COVID year. So we got our eligibility back. And then this year was just technically my first year. Um, Wow. So I still have three more years in the NCAA or like four in Canada. Um, not that I imagine I will use it, but I do still have that remaining eligibility. That's uh, that's pretty crazy. So, hey, you know, the, the world's your oyster. You could stay at Stanford. Like, but aren't you said like, are you pretty much done your program? Yeah. So right now, yeah, basically in the summer, I'll be done my degree. Um, uh, so currently I'm looking at pursuing a second degree. Um, whether that be a bachelor's or uh, an adjacent bachelor's, um, I'm still like figuring out what that might be. But yeah, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Wow. So you're going to have to do a master's load on top of playing volleyball. That's, that's not easy, dude. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it'll be too terrible just because this year I had to take, uh, well, we, so we do a quarter system, uh, which is like 10 weeks for every quarter. Um, and basically I had to do like six or seven classes per quarter. So totally I've done like 21 classes this year, um, or 20 classes, I think, but yeah, so switching to a master's, uh, would definitely be tough, but I, I imagine, um, it'll sort of be like a similar load to this year, which was manageable. Thank goodness. Uh, so yeah, hopefully I'll be able to manage it. I don't know. <laughs> Dang. And so before, you know, COVID you thought of, of coming back to Canada at, is there any thought of you to go professionally? Um, you know, you were, as we mentioned, you're a member of the Canadian next gen team and definitely want to talk about that a little bit, but is pro volleyball 
kind of f- for you uh, at some point uh, down the road? Yeah, I actually so I've spoken with coaches um, within the national team program and and college and just my own preferences. I do want to play pro. I was actually considering that uh, this year if the program didn't come back, I'd finish my schooling and then uh, potentially look for a pro contract. Um, but seeing as the program's coming back, I'll I think I will stay maybe one more year, maybe two. I don't know, depending on what I'm doing, uh, and then figure out or try and go pro. Uh, following that just so I can stay within like hopefully the national team pipeline and still be able to compete uh, with Canada and in professional world yeah is I mean I mean we we can get into it now but you are a member of the Canadian next gen team and as I said uh, as we were talking a little bit off air I feel like this next gen team has very much the feel of the B team back in 2011 2012 and that was guys like Rudy Verhoof, like TJ Sanders, um, you know, Nick Hogue was was a part of, of the, the BT then. And it was very much the core of what we see is the national team. And I mean, we know that uh, after this year's Olympics, we're probably going to see some some retirements. Um, and I very much think that, you know, the, the next gen team that we're seeing this year is very much uh, what we could be seeing kind of looking forward with the national team kind of moving into 2024 and into 2028. Um, You know, that being said, what does it, you know, how excited were you to to find out that you were going to be a member of this squad? Yeah, really excited. Um, I was kind of ecstatic when I found out uh, because, I mean, the team is called 2024, like next gen Paris team or whatever. So then first that's like, that's pretty encouraging. but it's also nice because I know a bunch of the players on that next gen team and we've played together with junior team and just in the past. Um, and so I do feel like, or well, my hope is that this team will uh, just be able to build chemistry this year and hopefully next year, and then sort of be leading into the next sort of a senior team um, when these guys retire. Uh, and so, yeah, that's pretty exciting to, to realize. Now you've, spend some time as as you said with the with the junior team um do you you know when you look at the the roster around you guys do you guys feel that you guys compete can compete with any other teams in the world are you talking about uh like our junior team experience or yeah absolutely i mean because it's, it's generally the, the the same guys i know a few guys are, are a little bit different but I, i'm sure you have a like a general knowledge of of what you guys are up against you, you know um your squad had a bit of a bit of a rougher time at the junior uh, at, at uh, the world championships than than some of the previous ones um but you know in my eyes the the roster that you guys had was kind of up there uh, you know with some of the the best junior national teams that we've had in the past few cycles well yeah actually it's funny they mentioned that we didn't yeah we didn't we did eh, at junior national or the world championships like it wasn't great um we're kind of expecting for better um i think so not an excuse, but basically in our last week before we left, I think three of our players got uh, like seriously injured. Um, so I think it was like Louis, Mike Dahaniak, and Braden all got injured in that last week. So they were like really key players for our team. And then Colton Lou um, at the tournament, like on the first day, got injured and had to be sent home. And then I know I got a concussion like the week before we left as well. So we were kind of just dealing with some very unfortunate circumstances going into that tournament. But I mean, even if we had our full team, it was still pretty disillusioning to play those teams because we were all fired up and ready to go. Uh, But they were just very, very skilled, especially at that age. Um, Not to say that I I don't think we competed because I think we were still up there with those top teams. Um, But they were definitely, it seemed like, further in the development uh, than we were at that time. so yeah, competing in the world championships was just really eye-opening to see how uh, some of the other players our age are in the world. That's very fair. I mean, you guys did have quite a tough pool, if I remember. <laughs> yeah, you guys that were, was true too. You guys were <laughs> you guys were with some of some of the giants. So it was it was it, it was a, t- a tough one to say the least. Um, but what is kind of on the docket this year for the, the next gen team? Are you guys going to be competing in like Pan Am cup? Like what, what competitions are you guys going to be going to, if any? Yeah. Pending COVID. I don't actually know. Uh, I think the Pan Am cup may still happen. Not sure where that is or when that is, but I think that might happen. Um, as far as I know it right now, it seems like we're just training 
And then they told us like within the schedule that the Pan Am Cup is like to be determined later. Um, I think that might be our only competition, but with the state of the world right now, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, just waiting to find out, I guess. That's fair. Have you talked to any of the guys? Uh, you like, do you guys have a group chat at all, a chat at all before heading into, uh, heading into to Gatineau? Yeah, there's a group chat uh, just established with us, the coaches, um, ATs and all that. And so people have sent in messages. I don't think anyone has been like chatting per se or, you know, just texting off the cuff. Uh, but I have talked to a few guys who are on the team. Uh, I'm rooming with Matt Neves as well this summer. Um, so I know and I know a few of them just from past summers. So I feel like our rapport with the team will uh, be pretty easy to assimilate to when we get there. Um, of the of the new guys, is there anyone that you're excited to play with? Oh, sorry, of the who? Well, uh, of the guys, is there anyone you're you're excited to play with? Yeah, I mean, I, I think mainly. Well, it's nice to play with players that I played with on the junior team. Uh, that'll be fun again. But it's also good just to play with some of the older guys, um, like Byron and uh, Brandon Coppers and people like that. Just because I've seen them play in university when I was younger, and now I'll be playing with them, um, even though they're like five six years older or whatever uh so i think that'll be a really cool experience and they'll they'll definitely be sort of the leaders on the team and, and make sure that uh the level of play is like really high yeah what kind of do you have a different mentality when you come into the national team gym as opposed to when you're training with stanford yes <laughs> so the national team is two days and my focus is entirely volleyball um so i probably watch like tons of video while i'm training with the national team uh, and just like my entire focus is dedicated towards that. And that's what I'm concentrated on. But with Stanford, I mean, I have like tons of friends there. So it's more of a social aspect, but then school is also uh, uh, just in the back of my mind as well. So I have to focus on that um, and then balancing volleyball on top of that. So Stanford's more of like um, a management of all these like confluencing factors at once and just trying to be still good at volleyball while still good at school and keeping up with friends and all that versus with Volleyball Canada, all my focus is directed. And I feel like I can do a lot more improvement. Even if there's less time, I feel like I can improve a lot more within the Team Canada training just because there's just like a complete focus towards volleyball. I feel like you're the type of person who's very like all in on no matter what they do. Is that correct? Yeah, I think, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I mean, if I commit to something, uh, I will. Yeah, I, I would say that. Yeah, I, I guess all in is probably the best way to describe it. I mean, both in terms of how you approach life, because weren't like, what was your major at Stanford? Uh, management science engineering. Okay. So yeah, to that. <laughs> Damn. Um, that, that sounds great. Um, <laughs> but then like also how you play volleyball, like you're very like all in, in the, the way that you approach the game. Um, like your reading is incredible. Uh, that's what I've always like in, enjoyed the, the most of your game is how, you know, I've, I've seen you, especially in club, I've seen you make reads and balls that I didn't even know. Like you already knew the ball, where the ball was going almost before the hitter or the surfer did. Um, is that because of how, you know, you, you approach the game? Um, well, first of all, thank you. <laughs> um, and I, I guess, I mean, I think. I have, or I've been conditioned throughout my life, um, just with all the things I do in school and volleyball and whatnot, to uh, understand what it takes to be focused and sort of be in that mental state where I can put all my attention um, and all my competitive energy into doing something and, and completing that task well. And so I think that lends itself to when I'm on the court and being able to read um, as well as you say I can. Um, and yeah, I guess, I mean, I, I guess it's just like, for me now, it's sort of an unconscious effect. Like I just kind of go out there and do exactly what I'm going to do. Um, but I guess over time, that's just sort of how I've been developed is just I, I'm pretty competitive person. Um, not really like in your face kind of person, but just like a sort of quiet, intense competitiveness. Um, and that's sort of how I play in volleyball as well. Do you... Do you take that uh, when you when you are either like, sorry, 
I completely lost my, my train of thought there. <laughs> I, I apologize. Um, no, but basically, like what I what I was trying to to, to ask is, um, you mentioned like kind of video training. This is what I was trying trying to bring it to. But you okay. mentioned you're doing two two a days, and you're yeah. watching video kind of in between that that is, and that's how you prepare for your next practice. Kind of. I mean. I wouldn't say it's not like I'm preparing. It's just because this is what I want to do. So when I like watch myself practice um, or sorry, when I practice, I notice things or I can feel like sort of a mental cognition with my body that like something isn't right. For example, in the fall, I was really trying to work on my hand passing. And so I was like trying to figure out how to position my hands, how to position the strength in which my body moves to the ball, like just very nuanced things. And so I like constantly watch video about me doing it. And it's not because so much that I needed to prepare, but because I really, it's like a problem that I needed to solve within myself. Um, and so I guess that's how I approach a lot of things, especially in volleyball, just uh, uh, just like putting all this energy into solving problems that I feel like I sh- should be able to solve. So you're almost approaching volleyball from like a math perspective. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, I would say it's, um, I don't want to say analytical, but it's very system oriented. Um, and not to say that I, I can't go outside the system. It's just like, I feel like that's how I've been able to uh, get all these successful outcomes in the past. And I feel like that's how, that's who I've also admired of like people and how they work. Like I really enjoy that sort of uh, logical, rational mind. Uh, and that's sort of what I've implemented into how I improve myself, uh, whether it be in volleyball school other things is um is eric shoji one of the guys you try to model your game off of he's you know yeah you know obviously a legendary stanford uh libero but you know do do you have you know a a type of relationship with him i do actually yeah um i've talked to him i i talked to him when i was like committing to stanford uh which is nice but then sort of over the years i've messaged him he's messaged me um, I even talked to him like a month or two ago, just about my situation and how maybe I wanted to go pro and things like that. And he lent his advice. Um, and he, he's definitely, he's definitely a role model in terms of both like how he performs on the court, but also his volleyball skill. And honestly, he has the best technique out there in my opinion. Um, and so that's definitely who I try to model myself after, at least in terms of a volleyball perspective. Yeah. It's it's quite known within the volleyball world that it's tough to make it as a North American libero. Like there's only a, there's only a handful of them that that are out there professionally. Um, and I mean, we even see Jordan Pereira, who's just named uh, onto the VNL roster. You know, he wasn't playing professionally this year. He was he was at the NEP. Um, do you think that you have the ability to be one of those you know top tier uh, North American liberos that that we see that make it you know that make it professionally overseas? Yeah, I mean, it might just be my youthful optimism now, but I do think so. Um, and I, I'd like to think that I can have a successful volleyball career as a libero playing in the professional leagues in Europe. Um, and I mean, I'm just going to continue working towards that goal because uh, I do think that is a possibility. How much do you feel like you impact games directly as a libero? Because obviously it's kind of like the unsung, he- unsung you know, hero position. Um, but... You know, do you feel like you can directly impact um, the outcome of a game as at the same level as, say, like an outside hitter or a setter can? Yeah, it's interesting. And even as a setter, I, I don't think I've ever thought I've – okay, I don't know how to – yeah, this is my this is my rational mind going right now. Um, I want to say that I do, um, but I also – at least my internal feeling is telling me like that I don't always, <laughs> I mean, sometimes I have amazing games where I feel like I definitely do. Um, but most times I feel like I kind of just do my job, so to speak. Uh, and that in itself is the impact I give, but I wouldn't say it like changes or alters the state of the game um, of what it would have been. But I do think I sure like I provide some good days or uh, good reception, but I feel like my, other qualities of like just being a good teammate, um, communicating with the passers. Uh, I also, I love to celebrate. Um, and so like just having that uh, same intensity and competitiveness 
is what also impacts the game, though that can't be quantified or, or you know, understood except viscerally. So I can't really speak to that, but I do feel like I have some impact, uh, but maybe not enough to alter a game only sometimes. I'm sorry if that's not a good answer, no, but I, that's just how I feel. <laughs> I think that's a great answer. I mean, I think it's, it's, you're right. It's so tough to quantify statistically how much impact a libero has you know i i i on one hand of things like professionally in, in the fivb i really wish we had better stats i wish we you know statted serve receive on a three-point scale you know so we got had a better notion i wish we statted digs more i wish you know we st we statted more but at the same time i always i almost see the libero position as like the free safety position or the shortstop where you know you guys are very much that defensive back, like that 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 defensive leader, both in terms of how the serve receive is being handled. Uh, like you said, like if you're con constantly doing the vi doing video, I'm assuming that you know you know the tendency of every single hitter, and you know exactly how to position your serve receive, and you know how to you know put work uh, your 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 defensive schemes, you know, with the block. You're really that that backcourt quarterback. You know, uh, leading the the defensive the the defensive uh, the defensive scheme. So, do you feel do you feel that way when you're out there? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good way to describe it. Um, and it's it's definitely about a position that's recognized or that can be like you said statistically quantified. Um, but I feel like in terms of everyone has their own style of leadership, and then people react to that style of leadership. Um, and so. I feel like I do provide a certain style of leadership that people uh, can respond well to and therefore have a positive impact on their game, uh, which can't really be understood, but you can just kind of maybe feel it on the court. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a, a good way to describe it. How do you find that balance between getting maybe too emotional? Because you said you like to sell -y, you know, mm -hmm. you, you, you love the celebration. So how do you find that balance between getting too emotional and then getting right back into it for the, for the next play? Hmm. Too emotional. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's ever been a problem for me. Uh, or at least no one has ever mentioned that it has been a problem for me. Um, but I can see if someone, I guess, okay, this is, so here's an example. We have like, players on our team and at least players in the past who have expressed their intensity and competitiveness in a very um, uh, aggressive way. And so people respond to that differently because some people think like they're just kind of like mad at the team when in fact they're just trying to show that they care and want to win and they're, that they're competitive. Um, and so I think in those cases, you could one could say that someone is being too emotional but i also think the onus lies on the rest of the team to understand where they're coming from um and to like understand that this is the way they process their competitive emotions um and so i think there's sort of a give and take with that in understanding like everyone has different ways in which they get like too emotional um but also the fact that like other people need to be cognizant of that and be able to respond effectively to that in the games which is what I think makes an effective team, honestly, is just that sort of emotional intelligence on the court. Wow. You uh, you broke that down incredibly <laughs> well. That's uh, I think that's such an important message because you're absolutely right. Like I, I, I definitely we, we everyone knows those players who get emotional on that court. And sometimes, you know, people take it personally, but I, I definitely think you're right. I think it, the, the honus is definitely on, you know, the, the outside people to view that in, in a positive light or, you know, be able to, to kind of step in and, and uh, help things out. Um, where did, where do you, where do you learn that kind of emotional intelligence on the court? Like, where does that come from? Is it, is it from the national team? Is it from Stanford? Or is it just kind of like your own philosophy towards, towards life? Or does it go back to, you know, like, like one of your old coaches? Like, did, didn't you play for Mike Richardson back in the day? I did. Yes. That was a great time. <laughs> I, I, I gotta give, I gotta give, I, I, I feel like I remember, um, Mike Richardson, uncle Mike, as we like to call him at Matt, Matt mm -hmm. uh, coaching you and a bunch of like a pretty stacked Durham attack team in like 14, U, 15, U, and you guys just passed the lights out of everything and we're pretty gnarly didn't you guys win a, i think you guys won provincial championships at the time at the time too yeah yeah we so with mike we won provincials twice because he coached us twice and then nationals in our 14 year 
uh, but not 15s. But um, yeah, in terms of going back to your previous question, where do you learn <laughs> emotional intelligence? I think that is uh, just an immense question for society because if we could teach people emotional intelligence, I feel like a lot of problems would just be uh, solved in terms of understanding others. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I can't speak to how you can teach that. I can just sort of recognize when someone has it um, versus when someone maybe lacks it. Um, and I think that's just because like of how they cater themselves to different people and sort of reading reading the room and understanding uh, like their position within the room. And so, yeah, I, I don't really know how someone teaches that. But for me personally, I think I've just learned that uh, through experience. Um, I, I would say that I'm like a relatively perceptive person. And so, and also that's also like what I'm interested. Like I, I also, I'm like, I admire people who are also like that, like very perceptive and, and sort of emotionally intelligent. Um, and so I guess that sort of develops and compounds over time. And once you have some sort of emotional intelligence in your early years, I feel like that just builds. Uh, and then you're able to see the fruits of your labor uh, when you're in college and being able to understand people who uh, react emotionally to certain plays and to others. Um, but yeah, I wish I could say how you teach emotional intelligence. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So you, your, your perception is such a weapon then both for your team in, in terms of how you are, you're able to manage the, both, you know, the emotions of your own team, but then also like, are you able to kind of read the emotions of another team and, and take that into account and, and factor that in as you're playing? Yeah, that's so I wouldn't say I'm unique in that factor. I feel like, um, like certainly there's, mm, okay, wait, I don't want to make a blanket statement. Um, I feel like there are people who are certainly emotionally intelligent. Um, so I wouldn't say I'm unique in that regard, because I'm just one among many other people. Um, but yeah, I do feel like with that, I can sort of distinguish when uh, someone is feeling like they're playing bad. Or I, I feel like I also, I guess this is maybe a libero position sort of thing, like other liberals probably can see this as well. But I feel like I can tell if a hitter is nervous when they're hitting um, versus when they're just like bombing. Um, you can kind of see it with their confidence and how they celebrate and things like that. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I don't want to describe it as a weapon, sort of just a, a tool but among other tools yeah, on the team. Absolutely. But it's, it's part of your toolbox and it's a tool that you rely on greatly kind of, you know, yeah both both for good on your own side uh by like reading your own players and and seeing how they're playing and then you know also on on the other side of the net you know i I think that's a huge advantage and and a huge part of the game that we don't talk about enough you know everyone can talk about having great technique everyone can talk about you know um you know uh, being fast or, or physical but being able to read the game is something that not a lot of people do, and I mean, like it's got it's why guys like Wayne Gretzky, uh, you know, were was was one of the greats. So I mean, being able to read the game in in my books is something that you know is is not talked about enough. But it's at the, in in my opinion, it's what creates the greats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So all right, well, I, I I like that confidence because uh, <sighs> you know I, I like I like a confident libero. Now, um. You uh, switching gears here a little bit. Um, I I read how um, you came out to your Stanford team uh, as gay in uh, was it early winter or end of fall? Um, uh, it was yeah in spring of last year. Oh, spring of last year. Okay, so yeah, I mean yeah. that must have taken a lot of confidence in itself. First of all, like congratulations. I'm 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 very <laughs> proud that you've been able to 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 to, to do that. Um, second member of Team Canada after Chris Voth, who has has come out. So um, Chris is, you know, a longtime friend and has been on this show many times. So I'm I'm happy to say that we now have a second out. I actually know third, Shina Joseph. If we look at the the, oh, women's, yeah. the women's team as well. Um, but mm-hmm. what was that experience like? Because I'm sure it was pretty nerve wracking. Yeah, I mean, leading up to that point. Uh, it was definitely a burden, uh, and I felt that it was just too immense, especially when COVID struck. That's sort of when it, I announced to everyone um, is when COVID struck, and I had more time to self-reflect and think um, and sort of understand 
my own wants in the world. And so then I told everyone and then I just received tons of messages, which is why I love my team so much. I just received tons of messages from them, uh, just commenting on my bravery and courage and the fact that, you know, they still love me no matter what. And so, yeah, that was really nice to see and to hear. Um, and then when uh, Stanford got cut, I wrote like sort of a narrative story. Uh, and then, uh, so, so sorry, let me go back. My coach asked each of us um, when the program got cut to write a narrative story about like sort of how we feel towards Stanford and all this. And so I wrote about my coming out um, and then I guess he shared it with uh, a news reporter and then that's sort of how the article came to be. Wow. So that was, that must've been kind of all so many emotions all at once. Like not only are you going through a, a worldwide pandemic, but also your program is, is being cut and you're coming out to your team. Like that's, that's a lot all at once. Um, were you surprised to, to, to feel that, that amount of, of support from your team or, or no, not really? Uh, no, it wasn't surprise. Um, so much as it was just relief, mm-hmm. uh, because I kind of, I had an intuition that they would be at least probably all of them, honestly, would be okay with it. Um, so I wasn't, I didn't expect anyone to be like, you know, saying homophobic things after coming out or anything like that. Um, and then once I saw those messages, it kind of validated that fact. Um, and that was just a huge relief. And now I feel like, I, I don't know, I just, I feel very liberated to speak however I want, dress however I want, like say whatever I want. I, I don't feel um, like I have to fit into this box or this mold of what I expected myself to be, um, which in and of itself is a great feeling. Wow, that must be awesome. Does that extend to playing with Team Canada as well too? Like have you, did you, you know, tell certain players that you'd played with on the national team as, as well too? Have you received similar support from them? No. So I, I, okay. I told like, like Matt and a few others, like just very close teammates that I've played with multiple years. Um, so not everyone. Uh, but I also, I'm, I'm not, I don't really want to continuously come out and like say it. So if someone asks, all of these, just tell them. Yeah, um, and if they ask more questions, like obviously just tell them about it. Cause that's honestly, if someone asks, that's, one of the uh, most compassionate things like someone can do is just to ask about that experience. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say, I don't try and like make it about me and be like, Hey guys, just want to let you know. Um, Cause I feel like I, I just don't really feel the need to continuously announce it. Um, but that's just my perspective on things. No, I, I, I think that's great. I mean, hopefully some more people will find out through this and, you know, share their support. I've, I've never seen, you know, any negativity in that way from the volleyball community. And I think, you know, the volleyball community is very, very accepting. So um, I'm very happy that you felt comfortable to be able to, you know, come out in that manner. And I'm excited for you to be kind of a, uh, a, a, a role model in that in that way, in whatever form you, you want to be in the future. Uh, have you ever spoken to, to Chris Voth? Yes, I actually message him pretty frequently. Oh, it's sweet. He, yeah, yeah, he gives me resources to read up on and we talk and I've called him multiple times. Um, he was actually another person who was looking into like pro contracts for me and seeing like what he could do uh, if Stanford didn't work out. And now he's going to be my coach for the next gen. So I'm, I'm just really excited to work with him. Oh, I, um, cause seeing, yeah, I, I like, I knew that. And I've like talked to Chris cause we've been trying to plan a, a podcast, but I, I didn't make those two connections together. So that's, that's crazy. We're going to have kind of the first openly gay athlete and the current openly gay act athlete working together. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. I I'm pretty excited because I, it, it probably won't change much, but it just feels like nice knowing there's someone else that someone else who is there who sort of understands mm-hmm. um, the long process that has been towards coming out. Uh, and so it'll just be nice to have him there as well, both as a coach and just like as a human being. Do you think that's going to change now as obviously it's pretty much normalized other than a few, you know, uh, outliers. Um, but do you think that's going to change now as, as more and more athletes start to come out that we're going to see, you know, almost, you know, all uh, sports kind of have openly gay athletes among their ranks? Interesting. This is actually a curious 
sociological phenomenon because like in some ways you would think that that would be the case um but you look towards like the nba or the nhl or sort of these like major league professional sports Mm -hmm. and you've not heard of anyone coming out during their time as a professional athlete or before or whatever um and so i imagine there'll be progress made where like you'll see more and more people being visible um I guess it just hasn't happened yet. I mean, even in the Olympics, there hasn't been a gay person or a gay man um, competing in like a team sport. Really? And I think it's, yeah, at least not in, 20, yeah, 2016. I don't know about the uh, Winter Olympics, but um, yeah. And, and I think it's just because I, I also, again, don't, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but sort of just as a, a feeling um, that there are certain social interactions um, that are harder to experience when you're gay man and i think that sometimes uh disincentivizes people or are gay people to continue in sports perfect particularly in the professional world where there's sort of this like uh, a masculine vibe um being emanated and yeah i feel like that turns a lot of people away from that life even if they're capable of reaching a professional level status um so yeah i that's just sort of my big take on it um i can't speak to whether it anything will change in this next year i'm hoping there'll just be more and more progress being made um but yeah that's just what i've seen that's fair enough i mean it it makes sense i mean i i know the kind of the slurs that i like i i uh i received being a volleyball player like when i played hockey as well you know you'd miss a hockey game for a volleyball tournament and you know you i you know i know that i receive the slurs as like a you know a straight guy too so uh i could definitely see how some some cultures might not be ready for for that yet N- nothing against hockey players w- whatsoever but uh and i mean this was almost 15 years ago as well yeah i mean even in volleyball though i i've heard i haven't been subject to anything but i've definitely heard people just throwing around uh, homophobic slurs um, and just insinuating some very un- unfortunate things uh, yeah. in my time. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I remember uh, one of the first uh, people to come out was a guy by the name by the name of Brian Fotley uh, at Queens. And basically, uh, if I remember the story correctly, is that he was basically quitting from the team after having been an, an all-star for them at nationals uh just because kind of the, the slurs that were thrown around casually um and once that yeah. was kind of brought to the attention it was you know kind of stopped ubiquitously across the team and you know he was able to you know kind of return to the team and, and continue to be a very successful member of, of the team and i know for me at like being this was like 10 years ago now almost kind of starting to show my age but for me that was definitely you know the the opening uh up of my eyes to stopping that language as as well too um so hopefully you know hopefully we can end that kind of language in in volleyball together but I'm, i'm glad to hear that you know you have not received any hate and only support because i mean that's that's what it should be yeah, yeah, I've been fortunate. Now, um, with the, the national team this summer, um, do you guys like? Do you guys see yourselves as kind of that next level of, of team, like that the guys can that can step in to the national team, um, you know, right away? Yeah, I think that's. I mean, I haven't been with the team at all yet because just it hasn't happened. Uh, but I feel like that's the general consensus among everyone is that um, a lot of the guys on the senior A team are getting older uh, and potentially retiring just due to injuries and old age and whatnot. Um, and so I think a lot of us are seeing this summer as an opportunity to be able to train and get better. And hopefully next year for us, at least there'll be uh, more spots open and more opportunities for us to play with the senior A team. And so this summer is sort of like kind of leading into that, I think. Um yeah. When did you start wanting to play for the national team? You know, uh, obviously you've represented Canada before. You've got the jersey hanging hanging in the back. Um, you got to rep it. Um, but when did that start becoming a, a reality for you? 
was it you know before or after you guys won Canada Games with Team Ontario? I think it was that summer actually because so I think that summer I got Quest for Gold, um, which is just sort of a financial program for athletes. Um, and then as part of that, they said I could go to the national team tries for the June team, even though I was like 16. Um, and so I went and I was like, okay, this is just going to be, we'll see what happens. And so I, I guess like I played okay. And then the coaches cut me obviously, but we're like, oh, like we hope you'll be here next year trying out. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. Like we'll see what happens. And then the next year I tried out and made it. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's when, once I started, uh, getting into the pipeline and then making the junior team is when I was like, okay, maybe this is like a potential for me. It's crazy how many athletes from that Canada game cycle are now on this next gen team. You know, it's, it's yeah. other than like older guys like Brandon Coppers and, and Byron Katarakis, it's pretty much all of those guys were competing for the various provinces. You know, the Elsers were, were over at, Alber uh, at Alberta. You had the, the BC boys. Uh, of, of course, uh, Braden Friesen was at uh, was for Sask Saskatchewan. How much fun is that, that you've kind of seen the progression of that team, like, and you've known these guys after competing at, competing against them and with them kind of over, over, all, all, over all the years? Yeah, it's been nice uh, just because there's sort of uh, this uh, – I don't want to say brotherhood, but this uh, sort of camaraderie among everyone. We even joke. Uh, we even joke. It's so funny. Like, we always talk about the Canada games whenever we're, like, uh, on playing on the junior team, or I guess this summer, I imagine we'll talk about it again. Um, uh, and it's quite nice because Xander and I are on Team Ontario, which won. So we always got a leg up there. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's funny just talking about, like, all of our past experiences how, and how we've sort of shared those as, as we've improved over the years. Um, and so it's nice that we're going to be on the next gen team together because we'll just be able to, uh, get things started as soon as we get there. Cause there'll be no need for us to like reintroduce ourselves because we've sort of known each other all these years. That's, that's, I, I think it was so great when they decided to move the, uh, Canada age, uh, Canada games age down because back in 2013, it was U21. And I mean, I did think at the time that there wasn't going to be any, um, you know, big stars from that because like it was it was the guys that the, a lot of the guys at that age were already playing on the b team but still we still had nick hogue playing that tournament um ryan sclater was in that tournament uh brett walsh there was still some some pretty big names but yeah i'm really excited to see kind of what happens um with with your with your guys's age group um especially just because there's so much firepower but so many so many like so much good talent uh amongst you guys uh, and I and I really think that that you're leading the way. Um, one thing I, f I forgot to ask about uh, from Stanford from before, but how was it playing this year um, with the knowledge or the thought that you guys were, you know, this was the last season? Like, how difficult was that to go through the season, especially a COVID season like this one? Yeah, it was weird uh, just because we actually didn't even get to train before. We kind of got there in late January. And then we started our games like early February. So we just kind of were thrown into season right away. So we kind of had this uneasy feeling like, oh crap, like everyone else has trained for months on end. And we were just kind of getting thrown into season. Like we have to meet, we had four uh, freshmen and two transfers. So six new people coming into our team, which in itself is like kind of difficult because now you have to develop chemistry and bonds with these new guys. Um, and so, yeah, it took a little while to figure out what we were doing. Um, but in terms of our last season, I think, well, all of us obviously wanted to make it to the national championships and compete well. Um, but we also, a lot of us just wanted to enjoy this last experience we we're going to have as teammates. And so at practice, it was like both intense, but also there was moments of like happiness and fun um, and just sort of smiles on people's faces. Uh, and so sort of balancing those two factors of being both competitive and enjoying this last season is uh, kind of how we framed the season. Um, and yeah, that's just kind of how we went about it. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of ways that that could go south, right? In, in the, the season, not in terms of the way you guys approached it, but the, the season. Like there's a lot of ways that, you know, the season could go south. So it's very commendable that you guys were able to keep kind of uh, a level head. But, you know, 
would you guys be getting Jalen Jesper back next season? I don't think so. That's this is gonna be a, yeah. I I because he's already moved on to grad school, which is amazing. Because I think he'll be playing at Pepperdine and doing grad school, which is like unbelievable. Mm. And then our other seniors are also finished their academic years at Stanford, so it's not like plus the application for graduate school and all that like completely over. So I, I don't even know how they'd be able to stay. Um, so yeah, I think we'll be losing him among many others and we'll just be sort of short players for next year. Hey, maybe you could play outside. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know about that one. No, may, just, maybe just stick to setter. Or would you just rather be the lip? Uh, no, I prefer, I would rather, cause I haven't had an efficiency. Like first year was red shirt year. Second year was COVID and I had to set for half of it. And then this year was like, like barely two months long. And, um, you know, it was just like in this COVID times. So I'd like like just a real full season of being able to play libero. Um, so yeah, that's my hope. But if I have to play outside, I'm totally fine with that. I'll just do some beach stuff. Do you see like a lot of difference between um, like volleyball in Canada and like NCAA USA style ball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest difference. So in Canada, all the top teams, and even actually, you know what? Like there's a growing number of like really good teams in canada but i think the top teams sort of rival the top teams in the states but i think what the states has an advantage over is the fact that like every team is really good so it's not like some weekends you'll be playing a team where you can just blow out pretty easily like every team is pretty competitive especially like in our conference like the west coast conferences um and so i think that's a mild difference between nothing against like the canadian schools but i do feel like the american schools just have uh, just like a larger number of people to compete against. Um, and so that all the schools are stacked with like really good players. And so it's pretty good competition for every time you play. Uh, that's fair enough. You know, I mean, you're the one who's down there playing it. So it, it, that's definitely your call. Do you notice a style, like a difference stylistically? Like I've always found that the American style is much more of like a banger style, especially playing with that Molten. They love to just rip on it from the baseline. Like they love the just big banger plays. Yeah, serves are crazy um with the molten ball some people can really rip it um trying to think stylistically i think so because i've never actually played in uh like a u sports match or anything like that so i can't i don't know exactly what it feels like um but just knowing from like team canada stuff like team canada is very systematic which is something i like um uh and they sort of do things a very specific way that allows them to be successful but I think in the U.S., every team has a very uh, unique identity with how they play. Um, so some people will go like like Pepperdine ran super quick offense, um, where in Canada you would I don't think you'd ever see anything like that. Like it was just so quick. Um, versus other teams are like just like BYU would na- mainly throw up like higher balls, and like they have all these like really talented international players just banging on balls. Um, and so I think there's in the U.S. just a diversity of different. Uh, systems in which teams play which is something I don't think you see as often in Canada I could be wrong I don't know I haven't really watched Canadian ball in a while that's right. um, but yeah that's just my opinion of it what's it like playing against some of the you know potential next generation guys like you know the Gardini and Gabby Garcia at, at BYU uh, Rado like you know what's it like playing with with those kind of names who are already kind of known volleyball names in the world yeah, I think, I don't know. It's sort of just like another competitor. Um, but I do, I guess, I guess specifically speaking for like those top players, I, I sort of get a little more um, fired up because I want to make plays against them. Um, and so, yeah, just because like those are the big names in volleyball uh, and you'll definitely be seeing, I mean, Gabby already, I think he's doing like a pro contract somewhere in Italy or something like you already see these guys like moving on. Yeah. I think he's um, going to, to professional ball. Yeah. Yeah. So like he's already set in stone um, for his volleyball career. Um, so yeah, I kind of, when I, when I play against them, I just, I really just want to make as many plays against them as possible. Um, and that's sort of my feeling towards that. Do you ever think about like potentially playing them like, you know, years down the road, whether it's like professionally or maybe for team Canada, like do you ever do you ever think about that? Maybe obviously not in the moment because you're you're thinking about it, but whether it's on the bus and being like, you know what, like I feel like I'm gonna be seeing that these guys for the next few years and they're gonna be wearing uh, some different jerseys and so am I. Yeah. I wanna say yes, but I, 
no, I've never once thought that. So I, I think you're more of the in the moment. Let's focus on what's now as opposed to daydreaming a little bit. Well, I do daydream. Um, but I don't know. I guess that thought has never crossed my mind. Like, it's an interesting thought to be like, oh, and like maybe in a few years we'll be playing against one another. But as of right now, um, I've just never had that thought. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like, you know, the world champion, or, you know, the getting ready for the Olympics and. 2028 or maybe even you know 2032 if if we make it that far um and uh you know just seeing like the the throwbacks to the 2001 ncaa and like having having all all the names of of different you know different guys i i definitely think you'd be on there i okay i i think if i was playing against them in a professional setting I would reminisce on the time that I played with them in the NCAA and I'd be like, wow, look at where we've come mm -hmm. since then. But being in the NCAA and looking forward, I, I can't imagine that future self yet. Um, and so I've never really had that thought of being I'm, like, oh, look at where we're going to be. I'm, I'm, years. Ca I'm calling it now and we're going to be able to look back uh. on this. And this is kind of my, my stamp and being like, look, look, <laughs> look, look what's happened. But, but no pressure, right. anyway. no pressure. All right, all right. <laughs> I feel like you don't feel pressure very much. Like I feel like you handle pressure very well. Hmm. Don't know. I think I would need to get a barometer of how other people uh, feel towards pressure. Sorry, I know no. that's just not the response you're looking for. No, I, I'm not looking for any responses. To be honest, I love your responses. They're okay. Uh, honestly, they're unlike. They're unlike most responses that i get and i and i love that you know like it, it's it's clear that you are much smarter than i am and oh. and i like that a lot like you you sir are, are, are very smart and very analytical and i love that from from a libero yeah thank you um but yeah in terms of dealing with pressure so first i think i would need to understand how others deal with pressure um so we'll sort of like to tap into that psyche but i do feel like um with how i deal pressure it doesn't really surface for me um, unless, I don't know, unless things are going really bad. I think the last time, I wouldn't even say it's pressure, more of like, wow, I'm shitty. It was back, you know, I had one game again on the junior team my first year against the US where I was playing a bunch of my teammates. Um, and I started out fine, like I was playing well, but then once it got to the second, third, and fourth set, I was playing absolutely terribly. And that was like a terrible game. And that was sort of when I felt the pressure um and since then i don't think i've really succumbed to anything pressurous like i definitely feel it at moments but i wouldn't say it overtakes me i'm kind of just like i take things as they come and just move on like it's not really a big deal kind of thing does anything phase you yeah i mean things do phase me okay another thing is i've noticed this too just sort of self-reflecting and journaling is that since coming out i have just been able to deal with things um, in a lot easier way. Um, and I've also reflected on the fact that maybe it's making me less emotional. Like it's sort of desensitizing me to a bunch of uh, things. Like when the program got cut, I was obviously very sad and kind of disappointed, but it didn't really phase me uh, because I feel like I was just thinking, I'm like, okay, I'm faced with this situation. What are the possible routes um, that I could take from here? So yeah, I, I don't know. Things probably do face me. I think I would just need to realize them in the moment to understand how they face me. Wow. You're you are simultaneously a robot and a fully <laughs> empathetic and emotionally intelligent human being. I don't think I've ever like interviewed someone quite like you. I, I, I love it. Okay. I, I, I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> I mean that in like the nicest way possible. Like you, okay, yeah. you break everything down every very analytically and very thoroughly as well. But at the same time, you have a very like human and emotional uh, aspect to the way you approach things, and that's. I don't think I've ever spoken to someone who has uh, equal amounts of, you know, like traditional and intelligence, like IQ and EQ and emotional intelligence and. I, I think that's pretty special. Thank you. Actually, that's uh, that's a good way of describing it. That's what I've aspired to be, is to approach uh, human conditions or, or social conditions or issues um, from a human aspect, but also understanding 
the sort of systematization behind it and the rationality behind it. Because for me, I think truth is probably one of the most important things. Um, so it's not just feeling, but understanding like whether what you're feeling is in itself true. Um, so that was, that wasn't really a good way or eloquent way to describe that. But yeah, I like the way you described it is both a robot and someone with EQ. I, I feel like maybe that's a good way to describe me. I just think you, you seem to be very smart, both, you know, in a straightforward IQ way. Um, but as well, um, it, with a high emotional intelligence. And I think that that leads, you know, to a lot of success. I think that it will, is going to lead, uh, for, to a lot of success and, uh, Man, if, if there's anyone who's out there and who's, like, younger and who's listening to this, like, try to employ, like, what he's talked about today. Just because uh, I think it will uh, lead for a lot of people to be more successful and, I think, happier overall. Yeah. Is, is, yeah. is that, Retweet. <laughs> is this, like, I, 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 I kind of want to go back to that. Is this something, like, that you've taught yourself? Because, obviously, you can't just, like you know that you didn't go to school for this but is this something that you've kind of taught yourself over the course of your own life or is this something that you've always found yourself having yeah hmm. i don't think this is something i've always had no okay hmm. uh i don't think when i was younger i could realize that this was something i had so like my consciousness could not understand that this was something I had, but I feel like maybe it was there. Um, but for me, it's more of like, it's really a general curiosity. Um, like, okay, let me think. I have one book there. It's actually my favorite book by Robert Greene. Uh, it's called The Laws of Human Nature. And so I honestly just like understanding uh, human mind and, the, and just human behavior, like that just interests me. Um, and so I think that in itself, like because I seek out understanding then that just allows me to understand uh, these very great topics within myself and within others. Um, and so I, even though I do have an analytical logical mind, I feel like my interest of having this emotional side to me uh, allows me to have like the best of both worlds, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I like that very much. And I, I know that book very well, actually. I read, okay. I read that one while traveling around uh, back in 2019. Uh, I think I bought it in like the Frankfurt airport or, or something wow. when, when I was at worlds. But, um, I mean, I suspect you said it was your favorite book. I suspect you've read it a couple of times then. And, uh, that's a, that's a hefty book to get through. A hefty book. <laughs> yeah. I've read it twice. Um, and I like to like, if he makes uh really interesting quotes, I'll just like write down certain quotes. Um, and I'm actually, I'm reading right now his other book, which is another hefty one called the laws of power. Yeah um and so that one's also i wanted to read that one i haven't got to it yet um but i've def i've definitely wanted to read that one he's got a very like pragmatic pragmatic and like straightforward approach to uh well to the the rules of human nature yeah yeah i think my favorite part is that sorry i'm just gonna nerd out about this book um he doesn't he doesn't like it's not a self-help book where he's trying to tell you something or you should do something. It's more that he's using classical and historical examples to illustrate these social phenomena in practice. Uh, so that you can kind of interpret for yourself how uh, this phenomena plays out in the real world, uh, which is definitely what I find most interesting about his writing. Wow. Um, we've gotten f so far away from volleyball, but I'm actually, yeah, sorry. I, no, 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 not at all. Don't be sorry at all. I'm stoked about it. I'm stoked to be able to like learn because I've I've known you for uh, a long time through Madawaska and through watching you play at at uh, OVA, um, but it's it's exciting to get to like talk to you and get to know you on this level. Um, I'm very excited. Kind of uh, the more I, I hear you speak, uh, the more I get excited about your potential future as, as a volleyball player. Um, just because I, I feel like you are already doing things um, that are going to lead you to so much success, regardless of what you do. Um, and I'm very excited to see how that applies in a, in a volleyball, um, in a volleyball fashion, because uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're going to be able to kill it. And I'm very excited that you're playing for us. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'm pretty excited too. <laughs> awesome, dude. Well, I really can't thank you enough for coming to chat with me today. Um, you know, I, I know you're in the, the middle of quarantine and stuff, so uh, I know you've got tons of stuff to get back to, uh, probably. 
Um, but <laughs> do you head straight to Gatineau once your quarantine's done? Yeah. So the quarantine ends like Saturday night and then I leave Sunday morning to get a COVID test in Gatineau and then hopefully start training as soon as possible. How long are you guys training there uh, this summer? Uh, okay. I don't know the exact dates. It goes from when I get there Monday, so May 24th. And then I think it's five weeks or six weeks. And then we get three weeks off in July. And I think that's when the A team actually comes back and trains before the Olympics when they're done BNL and all that. And then we come back after they leave um, back in like late July. So then we train from July till August again. Wow. So you're just there for six, six weeks of, uh, of two a days and you guys get started on Monday. That's in four days. No, six uh, days, six days. I was going to say, wait, yeah. 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 Six days. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Well, dude, uh, best of luck when, once you get out there. I mean, as I said, I do have very high hopes, um, for this, uh, this next gen squad. Um, just because of, I, I know the quality of athletes that, that we have out there. And, uh, I definitely am very excited to see what you're going to be able to do with that, that roster. And then also, I mean, I don't know if congratulations is in order, but I'm very happy to know that, uh, Stanford volleyball, uh, is back and that you're going to go be able to go be back, uh, and be a Cardinal once again in the fall. Yeah. Thank you. I'm very excited for next year as well. Awesome. Well, really appreciate you taking the time, dude. Uh, you know, have a great training with the next gen team and I'm sure we'll talk to you uh, sometime soon. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks a lot guys.